put on your thinking cap. It's time to get smart with Eastern North Carolina's conservative morning talk show. You're listening to the Carolina Cabinet, hosted by former mayor and knower of all, Nat Robertson. Hey, 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 good morning. Welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. My name is Nat Robertson, and I will be your host as we discuss the news and the newsmakers. We're going to play a little bit of music for you, and we're going to talk to, and we're going to talk about the movers and shakers around Fayetteville and Cumberland County, as well as the Southeast. Come on. Yes, our mission is to bring to the airwaves a common-sense voice on the right side of the issues. Woo-hoo. Our cabinet members in the studio today are Pastor Joshua Goodman. Good morning, family. Yeah. And Jimmy the Lake Jimmy Henley. The, no, hey, thank you very much. Thank you. That's my mafia name. If you're listening to us on WFAY 100.1 or the River WMRV 106.5, we appreciate you tuning in and spending this next hour with us this morning. Check us out, message us, like us, follow us, share us on your favorite social media outlet. We are at the Carolina Cabinet. And if you miss an episode of our top-rated podcast, find the Carolina Cabinet on Amazon, Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast broadcaster. Hey, we appreciate you being here. Don't go far. We'll be right back. Since 2012, Joshua Goodman has been the senior pastor at the Cliffdale Christian Center, a dynamic church and ministry located in West Fayetteville. Join our friend Pastor Goodman for a podcast or a live sermon in person at 6427 Cliffdale Road. Now for today's good news. Here is Joshua Goodman. Well, good morning from the All-American City. This is Pastor Josh, and have I got some good news for you today. In a time when so many want to unpack, they want to talk about, discuss the problems, circumstances, situations, all the negative junk, I'm here to bring you some really good news. Herbert and Joan Malcody, an Ohio couple, are both turning 100 this week. They have been married since the very young age of 20 years old and will celebrate their 80th wedding anniversary this upcoming year. Herbert, a World War II veteran, says that, listen, I can't imagine my life without June by my side. They've had three children, seven grandchildren, 11 great-grandchildren. Can you imagine all that they've seen since 1922? Talking about World War II. Great Depression, Korean War, Vietnam War, space travel, TV, Internet, smartphones, and they even outlived COVID. June and Herbert, they'll turn 100 this week and celebrate in their backyard for their 100th 100th birthday with a small church service with their family and friends. Joe, their daughter, says, we will just worship God and thank him for the many blessings that he has bestowed upon this family in this century. Proverbs says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Listen, friends, this is Pastor Josh, and that is your good news.
What dance is that? It's a robot. <laughs> the epileptic fit. With, a, with a combination of the sprinkler in there, too? It's called the itchy. Yeah, he's itching. <laughs> oh, that's the awesome. Dead, dead man float. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm going to turn this song down because I don't want to see any more of it, okay? This is what I call the Fonzie. Yeah. yeah oh, 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 hey. Hey. Well, the Carolina Cabinet is happy to have a return guest. Can you believe we found somebody that said yes the second time? Right. Man, he's bored. (laughs) Uh, We welcome back Mr. Jason Williams from uh, Faith and Freedom Coalition of North Carolina. Yes, sir. Welcome, welcome. And you know what Jason does? He's going to tell us all about it, but he kind of connects uh, politics and the faith world together, and uh, we don't have enough of that. No, absolutely. Mr. Jason Williams, welcome. Jason, can you hear us? I can. I can. Thanks. Hey, welcome back, sir. Well, thank you so much for having me back. Yeah. Uh, man, I I come back to uh, experience the, the company and the dance moves. And <laughs> I mean, it's been a, it's a experience on the podcast. <laughs> Those dance moves are famed far and wide, like I said. I just don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could charge a subscription fee and let people, yes. like you put a video We can monetize. The room. He could charge people and not people to watch it. it yes. is what he His could. dancing was meant for radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's best uh, for the uh, listener's imagination. Uh, trust us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are all like true believers of your mission, what faith and freedom does. So, um, and I know you've been busy because we are gearing up for midterms. Uh, talk to us a yeah. little bit about what you've been up to. Well, I mean, yeah, we have a, a pretty big election coming up. And uh, as most people know about, and you know, you, uh, I think most people get tired of the of the cliche that you know it's always the most important election of our lifetime. But you know, man, when you think about it, this could be one of the most important midterms ele- midterm elections that we've we've ever had. Agree. Uh, yeah. My goodness, you, you, you look around, and you know, I'm I'm reminded. Look, I'm, I'm 39 years old. I'll be 40 uh, this November, and. I remember the quote from Ronald Reagan where he said that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Mm-hmm. We don't pass it along to our children in the bloodline, but it must be defended and fought for. But the important part about that, in, in my view, was the end of that uh, quote where he said, uh, if we don't do that, that, he gave a stark warning that said we're going to spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was like to live in a land where we're mm-hmm. doing what's free. And, you know, my wife and I, we've got six kids. And when I heard that quote uh, years ago, I remember thinking it's a really good quote. It's powerful. But what I didn't realize was how prophetic it was. And and I felt myself, again, as a 
39-year-old dad with six kids, I find myself so frequently telling my kids, this isn't the same country I grew up in. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And, and the first time I said that, I remembered that quote from Ronald Reagan where he said, we've got to fight for it and defend it, or we're going to spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was like to live in a land where everyone was free. And I'm thinking, we're already there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we're at that point. And, and I think that, you know, we have an opportunity this election cycle to – uh, look, you're not going to fix our country in one election cycle, but we can start to write the course. We can get back on track and, and hopefully make a difference. So uh, <clears throat> so we're really involved. We're going to be involved this election cycle. Our organization, as, as you know, Mayor, we, we try to, you know, get people of faith involved uh, in the election cycle in the political arena. Uh, we try to get pastors more engaged. And, you know, we're going to have – the largest faith-based get-out-the-vote effort in the history of our state uh, this year. We're going to knock on somewhere around 450,000 doors oh, wow. across great. North Carolina. Yeah, we're going to send out about 2 million pieces of mail. We'll do digital. We'll do email. We'll do church voter guides. We have about 2,200 churches across North Carolina that, that get our voter guides and distribute those to their members and, and, and families. So, um it's going to be a pretty extensive uh, get-out-the-vote effort. And what we do is we target uh, people of faith, people that, that share our values. And so we don't just go knocking on any random door. We have a database, a universe of, of evangelical voters, where we try to get them out and make sure they're voting and make sure they have their voice heard. Jason, let me jump in real quick. As a pastor, local pastor here in Fayetteville, how do I, as a pastor, get on that list to get voter guides? Yeah, we would love to add you to the list. We will mail them directly to your church. Cool. Okay. For you to, to share those with your um, with your members, you can just hop on our website ncfaithandfreedom.com. Okay. Send us a message, get us the information, and we will add you to the list. Yep. So and- we'll send those out to churches sometime late September, uh, early October, before early voting starts. And it'll just come right to your uh, to your mailbox. Awesome, yeah. And let me encourage any other pastors out there to um, reach out and and get these voter guides. It kind of eliminates all the work that you have to do, and they just get you the information so that you can pass the information along to uh, you know your congregants and everything. That's a, thank you so much for that. That's something that I know that. Uh, it's a great resource for pastors, um, but it's also a great resource for voters, so that they know there's so many sure. voters that don't know who they're voting for, or what the what the topics are. And yeah, so and having worked at polls for a lot of folks over the years, you run into that a lot. Folks are just, they're there, thank goodness they're there, yep. but then they're, uh, you know, they might be there for the sake of one candidate yeah. or one race and don't know a lot of the topics there. So that can be very helpful, definitely to help, and again, not, uh, you know, Strong arm you into who you vote for, but at least get you educated yeah, that that's, way. Yeah, that's huge for voting. Jason, you guys have a big event coming up, too, up here in Charlotte, don't you? We do. Uh, well, so this is our fifth uh, fifth year of having our uh, annual Salt and Light Conference, and it has grown exponentially every year. Uh, we had it in Mount Airy the past four years uh, up in beautiful Mayberry, and uh, we we outgrew that facility. And uh, That's a good just, thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think... I think we had a facility that, that seated around 800 people, and last year we had about a thousand people come through. So uh, it was it was less than comfortable for uh, for a lot of folks. <laughs> I bet. And, uh, <laughs> and and so we were supposed to end promptly at six, 
and the lieutenant governor was our final speaker, and uh, he told us to turn the clock off. And uh, <laughs> wow. he went for Started another preaching. thirty minutes. Yeah, so, <laughs> I bet. Uh, so you really, you really felt like you were in church. Yeah, uh, at that event when when the pastor just uh, turns the clock off and. And well, pastor, pastor, on, and but, lieutenant governor. When uh, he says turn it, we, <laughs> we yeah. found the church in Charlotte, uh, Freedom House Church, who cool. uh, reached out, wanted to host the conference, and so it's a much bigger facility. That's and, awesome, and uh, we're going to have that there. It's going to be September twenty third and twenty fourth at and Freedom House Church in Charlotte. Tickets still uh, we available. Have a phenomenal lineup of speakers coming. The tickets still available, Jason. Yeah, tickets are available. You can jump on our website, ncfaithandfreedom.com. dot com. Uh, we have Congressman Trey Gowdy, who's got his old show on Fox now. He's right. coming. Uh, Pete Hexeth, uh, Fox and Friends uh, co-host, will yep. be there with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, James O'Keefe. If you if you don't know who James O'Keefe is, Google James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. This is a guy who has exposed Acorn, uh, exposed Planned Parenthood. I mean, he's really done a lot of a lot of good work, and so he'll be joining us. And uh, man, it's just the lineup is going to be phenomenal from. From, from top to bottom, it would be a great event. Well, this midterm, Jason's got uh, definitely a, a subject that really has surfaced recently that is going to be uh, uh, very impactful, obviously, in, in Roe v. Wade. And being from the, the faith and political side of things, they're, they're coming together again. So what are we doing as far as you know getting voters uh, educated about that and, and in, as far as this midterm comes? Man, you know, that's a, that's a great question. And if you think about abortion in general, this is the first time, the first time really in, in our lifetimes that we're actually going to be able to vote on abortion. Yeah. So if you look at what Roe v. Wade did, I mean, Roe v. Wade basically just established law. Um, you even had Ruth Bader Ginsburg talk about how Roe v. Wade was a flawed decision. Uh, how, you know, the whole concept of viability was just brought up, uh, made up out of whole cloth and, and, and shouldn't have been the way the decision went. So it was a, a, a poor decision. And, and what these brave justices have done is they've not gone out and just said, you know, make abortion legal. What they've said is it's up to legislators yeah. to decide whether they're going to make it legal in their state. Yeah. And so... Of course, the left is going to try to make this a rallying cry and make it a big deal. Sure. Um, because again, what what else are they going to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to hear <laughs> gas prices. Food prices. I mean, I, I just told you I've got six kids. You can imagine <laughs> what a grocery bill is no uh, for us right now. So, well, what else are they going to talk about? I mean, are they going to bring up the border? Are they going to talk about crime? Yeah. So, no. Yeah, All of a sudden, the they're going Run to say uh, these evil people are. I want to take away your your right. But in in North Carolina, I think we have a great opportunity. Uh, Right now, we've got uh, on the books an abortion bill at 20 weeks. Um, That was thrown out, and our Attorney General, Josh Stein, has said that he will not uh, try to get that law back (coughs) on the books. He's not going to enforce the law, which which is amazing, but that's what you get from the left nowadays. Right. But but we have an opportunity this year. If we have a supermajority of, of pro-life legislators, that we can put together a comprehensive bill that, that will do a couple of things. I think we need to uh, protect innocent lives. I think we need to protect women. I mean, let's be honest, guys. There's going to be women that, 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 that get pregnant 
that that are going to be in a tough spot. I think we need to make sure that that they're protected, they're taken care of, they have access to quality health care. I think we need to fund, uh, better fund our uh, pregnancy resource centers and and just make sure they've got resources available to them that will truly enhance the quality of life for a mom and, and for kids. But I think we can put together a comprehensive bill that that will protect women, protect babies, and and really help move our, our state forward. But we're only going to do that with a supermajority of pro-life legislators because we have a governor who's already on record that not just, you know, is, is for abortion. I mean, he's on record where he wouldn't even sign a law that uh, would protect a baby after birth. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so we know he's not going to sign any bill. So you're going to have to have a supermajority that would override uh, a governor veto. And keep in mind, you also have another part of this equation. We've got to make sure we have a, a majority of conservative, pro-life uh, justices on the Supreme Court that won't just throw the bill out anyway. Right now, you've got the left that they're just legislating from the bench. It doesn't matter what bill comes through. They'll take it to court and try to get it thrown out. So North Carolina, we got a big deal. We have judicial races. We have state house, state senate races. We have a U.S. Senate race. I mean, we, we've got a lot going on, guys. We've got a lot going on. Other than the voter's guide and other than uh, the, the obvious topic that we're talking about, uh, abortion, what else does faith and freedom, what else is on your agenda? So, so we're working uh, just to engage uh, faith leaders, and we'll talk specifically about pastors. We, we have a bold and courageous tour that we go on, that we try to connect uh, pastors and faith leaders across the state to, to some of their elected leaders. And, and we think that's important. We think that pastors should be engaged. They should have a voice. You know, if you think about what a lot of people say uh, about how pastors should kind of stick to, you know, stay out of politics. Of course, we heard ad nauseum the separation of church and state, and, you know, we all know what the, the fallacy of that. <laughs> right. but, but we hear that. Exactly. And, and then you even, here's the problem, though. You expect to hear that from the left. But when I talk to pastors who, who buy into that, and pastors who buy into the fact of saying, I shouldn't be talking about politics. I, I don't want to offend other people, so I'm not going to talk about politics. Here's, here's the problem with that. There are three institutions that God ordained in the Scripture, one of which was the family. The second was yep. the church. Yep. And the third was government. And so could you imagine telling a pastor that he has no business mm-hmm. preaching about the family? Yeah. Of course not. Good luck. Could you imagine? <laughs> he has no business preaching about the church. Right. Of course not. Yet there's something about that third institution that God ordained that just scares pastors and scares people to death, and that's government. Whether well, uh, and my, my view is, if you can if you can speak about the church, if you can speak about God's role in the family. You better be talking about God's role in government. Well, you know, I think part of that problem, and, and I don't, I know we got Pastor Josh here, and he could sound off better than I can, but we've seen in in our days that churches have gotten political at times uh, in many ways. Yep. And, and so, you know, you have a pastor who's trying to lead a church, and he's trying to make the balance. You know, you don't want to offend one side and run off anybody or anything because you want them in, you know, in the house of worship at almost any cost, so I can understand the balance has got to be difficult. Yep. Well, that's a, that, you, you hit the nail on the head there, Jimmy. If you are at the point where you're trying to get people to your church at any cost, then you're already way over the line. 
Um, they're, they're, you, the point, obviously we want to have the full house, but if we get the full house by negating the word of God, mm-hmm. by the word of God taking a back seat, by um, taking preferences of popularity over principle, um, then, then in my opinion, we have disqualified ourselves for the ministry. Um, you, 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 that's just, you, you can't do that. You, you can't sell out, um, well, for anything, but uh, for politics, you can't sell out for money, uh, for fame, for power. Um, and essentially, when these guys are doing that because they want to have their gazillion-dollar budgets and their gazillion-dollar fame, um, it's unfortunate. But, I mean, on the Day of Judgment, man, I think there's going to be some shocked people. <laughs> That's not your jet part outside, is it? <laughs> no, sir. No, no, no. <laughs> And, you know, that's, that's spot on. And at the same time, though, I mean, we, I don't believe by any means that, uh, that the church should be an arm of the Republican Party. Uh, I certainly don't think the church should be an arm of the Democrat Party. Yeah, right. I don't think uh, it could. But, but, I th- yeah. but I think at the same time, it shouldn't be the tail wagging the dog. Yep. I think that we should have a voice, and I think for too long, uh, Christians, and, and specifically pastors and ministers, let, let, I mean, again, let's go back to the founding of our country. If it wasn't for the Black Road, Road Regiment, if it wasn't for pastors who mounted the pulpit yep. and, and got their people and excited and encouraged about going out and fighting this revolutionary war, we wouldn't be having this conversation no. today. So our, our main point is, is not to make people political and not to make pastors, again, an arm of, of one party or the other, but it's just to get them engaged in the conversation. Yep. Because if, if you're not at, if you don't have a seat at the table, the other guys will. Yep. And, and that's the main point we want to make. Well, joining us uh, on the telephone is Mr. Jason Williams from North Carolina Faith and Freedom. Uh, Jason, one more time, why don't you uh, tell everybody where to find you, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in September. Absolutely. So you can find us uh, uh, on, on Facebook, on Twitter, at NC Faith and Freedom. Uh, you can find our website at uh, ncfaithandfreedom.com. Send us a message. If you want to get added to our email list, jump on there and do it. We'll send you all the information about uh, new speakers that are announced, uh, everything coming up for our conference. Would you get you set up with voter guides? And, uh, man, hope to see you guys out in September at the event in Charlotte. Great talking to you, awesome, Jason. Awesome stuff. Yeah, Thank you. certainly appreciate what you do. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you, guys. Cabinet members, Mr. Jimmy Henley Jr., yes. Jimmy the Lake. Jimmy Pastor the Lake. Joshua Goodman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the bishop. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> I stole it. He's not here. <laughs> uh, and I'm Nat Robertson. Don't go far. We'll be right back. There'll be a royalty check. Right? All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do when my love is away?
Jimmy is the king. Yeah. Oh, 80s is in the air. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. Uh, my name is Nat Robertson. I'm your host. Uh, before we get started with our interview, I'd like to ask you for a favor. As you're out running around this week, how about stopping by one of our commercial sponsors and let them know that you heard their message on the Carolina Cabinet. Uh, assuming that you are listening to us on Sunday morning, 
We also invite you to check out the podcast so you can check out some of the older shows uh, that we have done. Uh, we're on your favorite podcast broadcaster, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Um, so, with that being said, here in the studio with us, we've got Pastor Josh Goodman. Yeah, yeah. I had to throw that in for our uh, bishop friend. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> missing Antoine. Yeah, missing Antoine tonight. So, and uh, we're, we're speaking with, interviewing today, uh, Mr. Jimmy Henley. Uh, Jimmy is a regular on the uh, on the show. He's uh, kind of one of our one of our cabinet members. Um, truth and reality, he's a stand-in cabinet member, but has been here probably as much <laughs> as, as much more as than, anybody else. Yeah, right? as much as anybody else. So, um, you know, Jimmy, uh, uh, official welcome to this show, and uh, we're excited to get to know you. Yeah, you're here. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the only, I mean, one of the true Fayetteville natives. I mean, this guy's been around. Goodness sake, yeah. Well, he's for, about to date me for, now. No, I'm not going to say that. Gonna, well, I think your song, the song, you know, that, that, may, that might that be may have just a little me. bit. There's uh, a, only a few people listening that are going to actually recognize that, that song. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of them. I'm uh, one. A cool name, though, Top <laughs> Jimmy. Top Jimmy. <laughs> so uh, tell us about yourself. You grew up in Hope County, is that right? Well, originally, uh, I was an Army brat. Um, my grandfather was in the Army. My dad was in the Army. And um, my mother and her family were all from here in Fayetteville. And we, uh, we, they ended up in Germany, and, and hmm. that's actually where I was born is in Germany when Dad was serving over there. And we came back when I was, I don't know, man, knee-high to a grasshopper, and uh, we lived here in Fayetteville, and Dad was at Bragg, and we eventually moved down to Hoke County where I think I was there probably six, seven years up until about – Partway through my sophomore year in high school, and I came back to the Ville. Okay. To the Ville. <laughs> I wasn't going far. I was right yeah, down the yeah, road. Yeah, that's yeah. Just, yeah, that's just down the street. So you were here for high school? For uh, part of 10th, 11th, and 12th, I uh, went to Westover over there. Um, not many people yeah. shouting out Westover yeah, Westover. Right Westover? Now. Well, well. Uh, you know, I, it, it's funny. They got a great I, band. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, there was that. Yeah, actually, we had football pretty good yeah, back then. Yeah. Um, you know, when I got back there, I just remember there was a culture change for me because I'd been in the country for so long, yeah. and, and I knew Fayetteville. Right. I had plenty of family here, but I had been down there so much, which that one county over is further than it seems. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I was just used to trucks pulled up, and you had rifles in the rifle racks, and everybody – that's old school. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I come over here, no. no. Yeah. Not so More so. the city life, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I had a terrible country accent. I mean, <laughs> I had did, to, really? Oh, man. <laughs> I, well, I started at Pine Forest That's for two so and a half funny. days. Uh-huh. My, my grandmother lived down the street, so I went to stay with Grandma. I went there, and I think it was maybe the first day of English class. They were working on some play. And heard my accent and stopped everything oh, and said, so you're playing the farmer. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. We got to go somewhere else. So I went to Westover. Like, that was better. Yeah, no, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Um, all right. So we invite Jimmy on uh, regularly when he's not a stand-in guest for us on the cabinet. We invite you as our uh, expert, our subject matter SME, subject matter expert on policing. Yep, law enforcement and, and, you know, and crime, th- crime, crime yeah. all that kind of stuff. So let's talk about your profession and what you do. Okay. Um, well, I began, my dad, whenever he got out of the military, he was a deputy sheriff here in Cumberland County for many years. And okay. 
typical son, you know, I see that and I get interested and I'm doing ride alongs and, and the stories I could tell my dad should be, should not have had custody of me. I can tell you that. He was putting me out of prostitute bait, I think at about 17 or 18 years old, uh, 18 years old hey, on the boy, boulevard. Oh no. Yeah. Back in the days of Rick's lounge. Hey boy, go out there and look pretty. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. Um, and, and honestly, I probably looked 12. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, it was terrible. So, but the bug got me. Right. And I, I was studying it, and I was watching it. It was the first real thing I can remember that I had that a drive and yeah. interest and all. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, you know, just as quick as I could, I got in the academy. You know, I studied criminal justice, got in the academy, and was all about police work. Yeah. No regrets. I turned down a few jobs I regret, and, and you know, in hindsight, but was very involved, wanted to work undercover, was lucky to get to do a lot of things I wanted to, did seven years undercover, and Anyways, eventually I get out of law enforcement and follow my old man's footsteps again. When he got out, he had opened a private investigative business okay, and okay. a security company. And uh, he said, are you tired of getting shot at and playing politics? <laughs> and not making money doing it. And right. I said, one, two, three. All three of those. Yes, yes. I'm with you. So, uh, you know, not being on call and not, you know, all those hours and all. It was pretty... It was a pretty good thing, but I still miss the adrenaline parts of it. Yeah. Right. Did Getting shot miss. at? You miss it? No. You know, that, honestly, you know, I don't miss any of the action. Yeah. I mean, I, I do miss, I'm sorry, I miss the action. I didn't miss any of the politics yeah. and, and, and the stuff that comes in it. You know, I remember having a conversation my last day on the job with somebody I'd known for a long time who was a civilian. And I pointed out to him that bulletproof vest that I needed that when I was in the building more than I did out of the building. <laughs> oh boy, that didn't go over well. <laughs> and then I said, when I'm in the building, I wear my rifle ballistic plate in the front. Yeah. I wear it in the back when I'm in the <laughs> wow. building. That's how I was very you know, seeing it. And, right. I, and so, you know, Dad and I were in business together for years doing that. I uh, loved it. Um, but my dad's the Michael Jordan of retirement. Yeah. He doesn't understand how it works. You know, right. all right, Friday's my last day. Good. See you. All right. Monday, yeah, he's yeah, in there getting a pot of coffee. Yeah, he's going. Yeah. And I'm like, what, you what are don't you get here? this, do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not how this works. Right. So, you know, I, I opened my, my own investigative business. I didn't have the interest in doing security anymore. And it, it has been a great thing. And, and not just doing it for yourself, but just, you know, I, I, there was a lot of things I wanted to do with that for, for me business-wise. And it's been a great, great thing. I've had a lot of great employees over these years and been doing it now on my own for, I think, going on seven years now. And really have expanded the business. Do a lot of consulting, do stuff all over the state. Now, what, do you, what do you like best? What do, what's the one thing you put your finger on you really like about PI work? Well, I, you know, what I like about investigations is the brain chess match of it. Um, yeah. I, I love looking at crime scenes, looking at cases and trying to dissect them and figure out the pieces of the puzzle, especially the ones that are hard for somebody. You know, you want to be the one who can find that hard piece. And I I really love that. I love evaluating cases. I love just looking at them and picking them apart. Now, you do a lot of uh, testifying in court. You do some teaching and that kind of stuff too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of testifying, a lot of consulting, um, you know, helping out different attorneys or people who have been victimized in some way, testified in federal court, state court, in various ways. And 
I mean, it, it's just I love that. To me, I love that part of it. And is that it. what you normally do? Is it, is it normally you working for an attorney or you working for you know a private individual? How, do, how, do, how does that work in the business? Yeah, it varies. I mean, we have so many different avenues to go through. Like you got civil cases, you got yeah. criminal cases, you got expert consulting cases. Um, and then I get private individual businesses or people hiring me because this is an investigation the police department either don't want to do or normally wouldn't do. Right. But we feel we need it done. I see it a lot in businesses. We're missing $50,000 out of our practice, can't figure out where, and the police department or whoever doesn't want to look into it, we'd rather bring in somebody private to figure it out. So we get that a lot, too. Hmm. Good stuff. How do you – now, I know you personally. You've got a family and uh, a beautiful wife and daughter. Tell me about your work-life balance. How do you you stay normal? Because you see some. Well, ugly. I don't know about that. I, mean, <laughs> I was waiting. I was oh, waiting. Hold. Let oh, me just no. stop, the, stop the show. My, <laughs> my normal. You <laughs> see some real ugly things. Well, you know, I do. And, and something I've always, uh, and I don't know if I got it from dad or where, but I've always been good at separating um, the ugly of the job from, you know, my life. Yeah. Saw a lot of death over the years, and you still see a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that most folks don't want to see. Um. You know, for me, balancing that part, when I was in law enforcement, I've, I rarely told my family anything about what I was doing. Um, That's smart. Don't bring it home. Yeah, yeah, just don't bring it home. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially in the undercover days. You know, I didn't want them to worry any more than what they probably were. You know, if we're out at the mall somewhere, which I don't go to anymore, but at one point I did, you know, we'd go to the mall and the wife would look up and I'm nowhere to be found. She couldn't figure it out. Later she would learn that if I saw somebody right. that I didn't want associating us, I would yep. just wander off and then catch up with her, you know, down the hallway somewhere. What and a life. That's crazy. I mean, to, I mean, to have to, to, to be that aware of your surroundings at any given time. And because, you did undercover work for a yeah. long time, Yeah, right? it, seven years undercover, and I got to tell you, those were the most exciting um, years and, you know, fun years, it's hard to say. But it also puts you in places that, you know, as a regular officer, you don't tend to be at. I, I saw a lot, you know, I was present for four homicides when they happened wow. as, a, as an officer. And, and, and coming up on bank robberies and store robberies, and they thinking you're just another bad guy, you know? Yeah, right. They're not seen as a cop. So people let their guard down around you when you're in that kind of capacity. So you get to see a lot more of the darker sides the dark side. of, of our society. That is, way. is there any part of that that you still reflect on that keeps you up at night? Keeps me up at night, gosh. I don't know. I sleep pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I still think. I still have you know, vivid memories of a lot of things that happened over the years. You know, I lost a partner you know, during my career and uh, was the one that found him. Mm. And, mm. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff that, you know, you still think about and, and, and remember, but I, I do pretty good on separating that. I really do. And, and in my personal life, you know, Nat, you know, my wife, you know, my daughter and my drive since, um, you know, my daughter's been in my life has been her. And, right. And congratulations to her this Saturday. She's about to graduate with Woo! her doctorate yeah, yeah. in physical therapy. So yeah, that's, that's part of my yep. retirement package is I got right. physical therapy. For the rest and of already life. has a job. Yeah. yeah, and already has a job. First interview, got a job. So she'll be getting off of daddy's wallet. I think. Well, no. yeah. hold on. Let me yeah. let me stop. Uh, yeah, no, uh, it, 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 it still may be a while, yeah. Jimmy. Okay, never mind. well, her mom is still on it too. Uh, yeah, so. 
All right, so we're we're getting ready to play the theme from Cops. Tell us about that because that that was one of your picks. So yeah, you know, whenever um, I was a young cop, and, and uh, I just remember uh, my daughter loved to watch Cops with me, and I could see the pride in her uh, of me and what I did. And I just remember some of the guys would, would play that song a lot when we were out doing right. operations, and we just had fun yeah. with it. And that's for, for us, that song was just fun. Yeah. But, you know, we had a blast with it, and I still hear that song. I can picture the leather gloves and, you know, the equipment and going out to hit a door or go do something fun like that. And you heard that song, you kind of got pumped up. Yeah. I picture Bad Boys, too. That's, that, that's Oh, Bad Boys. <laughs> In the studio, we've got Pastor Josh Goodman, and we are interviewing. We're talking to a regular guest of ours, Mr. Jimmy Henley. Thank you. So now we'll be able to hear that song without thinking of uh, bad boys. Thinking, bad boys. Yeah, thinking of Jimmy. Thinking, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See Jimmy hopping out of the squad car, his gun pulled. You know, forgot to put it in park and <laughs> take the seatbelt off when I jumped out. Yeah, there's a lot of good you rookie stories. Yeah, so you did undercover work for seven years, so you had yeah. the long hair and you were the hippie, and I assume you did drug bust and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah I had the 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 long hair, the wheel work for weed tie dye shirt. And, <laughs> You know, and, and and I remember a time I'd grown the hair out and, and everything was growing out. And and I, th- I think it was like a three-year mark. They said, all right, you, you can't do narcotics anymore. I came out of it, got a haircut, put on the cheap polyester uniform, broke out in a rash, was answering <laughs> barking dog calls and domestic oh, calls. Wow. Oh, I was how so do, how do you go? How do you go from, I mean, 
You don't. Like 247 action to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, last week we, we had the 18-wheeler to 1,500 pounds of weed. Yeah. You know, now, you know, she's yelling at him. He's yeah, yelling at her. Yeah, domestic violence, whatever, you know. You're yeah, pulling it, it, 30 days later, I guess the guy that replaced me did not work out, and they put me back in narcotics, and uh, I set up a drug unit for the department I was at at that time. Began growing the hair again. And I just remember, uh, you know, everybody thought I was a member of the Almond Brothers or something. <laughs> so I went this another three years or so, and I was starting to get burned out of it. And, uh, you know, I kept expressing my concerns that maybe I shouldn't yeah. be doing it anymore. And um, nobody would listen to me. So um, there came a point when I I, uh, I started taking other schooling and, and, and getting trained up for other assignments. No hints are being picked up on. Nobody's doing it yet. Yeah, so I was in a federal building going up to see some federal agents, and down on the bottom there were civilian offices and all. And I, I remember elevator door opening, and I th- there was a little old lady on the elevator that looked like my grandmother. <laughs> and I just remember when the door opened, she had a look like, you know, I can't get out. He's in my way. You know, is she moved her purse to the opposite side of her body? <laughs> oh boy! And I was thinking, you know, if something happened, you would be glad I was on this elevator. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm the guy you want here. And that was that. That moment still sticks with me now, from uh, 1999 or so, whatever that was. And I just said, you know, I'm just tired of this. So I went home and got a haircut. And nobody had seen me with a haircut, and I don't know how many years. And nobody had seen me without some craziness growing off my chin and. So I did. I cut it all off, you know, and I went from the look of... Matter of fact, I was asked all the time to play Jesus in church. <laughs> I swear, my wife yeah. would tell you. I'd be anywhere, and a lady would come up to me and go, you know, could you? I'm, I'm booked up. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and plus, I'm not really good with, you know, not using four-letter words by accident. I, you know, my Tourette's Ooh, that would just That would mess up a church. <laughs> that would yeah. mess up a church. And yeah. listen, I've seen you a couple of times wearing undercover cop t-shirt, so... <laughs> <laughs> when, when did you get that T-shirt? Did you get that as you when when you were truly undercover? No, I was at the beach with uh, our mutual friend Michael Boos, who has no sense whatsoever. <laughs> he, and he sees this shirt and he points it out to me and he goes, "You know, it'd be funny if you walked around with his shirt on." And I said, "Well, it's only seven dollars, so here I go." Yep. And you you know, it's funny. I wear that T-shirt around sometimes, and people will stop. And get, are you really? <laughs> I'm like, shh, that's Don't a secret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that Don't is tell. so funny. Well, I mean, you are, you know, you, you fill in and you're a, a great uh, co-host of the show. Why do you want to be here? Why, what what was the attraction for you coming on here and being exposed to, you know, and we have listeners all over the country. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what, what do you want to be here for? You know, that's a good question. I should leave now. Yeah, um, the, I, I really don't. Wait, I'm going to go. I could be at home watching TV <laughs> yeah. or something. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed um, having conversations of some intellect, right. you know, and hearing other opinions. I'm not a person who – I'm very opinionated, but I'm also very intrigued by opinions of others and how they get there with those opinions. Well, we sure share those. We absolutely yeah. do, yeah. And, and that's what I love. And, and I'm you glad know. he said intellect because I know he likes talking about the rest of you guys that way. <laughs> I meant the guest. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. There you go, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, and when you listen to or watch or read today's media, oh. um, it, it, it is just disheartening. To, yeah. So, you know, 
I, I like I like being part of it from this angle. I like giving something or being a part of something that gives people uh, another avenue. But uh, you know, I just enjoy talking about the topics. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the culture uh, cancel culture is not welcome here. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> and that's my favorite part. That's my favorite. All part. the misinformation. So, yeah. uh, I mean, of everybody that you have talked to, being on the show, who who do you, who was your favorite guest? Wow, that was a good one. Um, man, you put me on the spot. Yeah. The gentleman from, um, and I talked to him for a long time after this show, from the Freedom, oh man. Okay, hang on. He's, got, the, he's the National pre, um, Executive Director. Oh, yeah, that was uh, Timothy, Timothy Head. Head. Yes, yeah, the, I emailed him the other day, as a matter of fact. And, and he was the Executive Director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, uh, National. National, yeah. Right. Great yeah. story. You know, I, I like talking to him. He and I had uh, a lot of common interests and concerns about the criminal justice system yeah. and other things. And so, yeah, we, you know, uh, that night it was funny because everybody leaves. He and I are still standing here talking, and, and Nat's still talking to the state you know, executive director. And it was like, man, we, I, I don't know what time we finally got out of here, but then it went down to the parking lot. <laughs> and you kept talking. For another 30 that's, minutes. That's when you know you're having a good conversation, right. though, is when you take it from the room to the parking yeah, lot. Yeah, you know, it's, like, it's like, just turn the mics back on. Let's yeah. get back up there. But, uh, yeah, it, I really enjoy talking with him. We really hit it off. That's great. And, and what makes you happy in your soul, Jimmy? Oh, dear. My daughter. Ah, you know, that's an easy one. Good answer. There's been, you know, two key parts of my life that are easy to point out. Um, I've been blessed enough. I can tell you that one of the ultimate things that ever happened in my life was my daughter. I know what the worst thing in my life was is when I lost my mother. Mm. But I also see it as a blessing because that means I haven't had a lot of bad things in my life. If you can actually figure out what that one was, that's right. I mean, I've had some bad things. Don't get me wrong, but that one was number one. So, I mean, but yeah, what really gets me going is my daughter. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Awesome. So Jimmy Henley is our guest. He is our interviewee for the, for the day. Uh, in the studio is Pastor Joshua Goodman and myself. My name is Nat Robertson. I want to send you an invitation right now to stop by and see some of our commercial sponsors. Those people that you heard uh, on commercials on this show, stop by and just tell them you heard their message. I'd appreciate that. And assuming that you're listening to us on Sunday morning, please also look us up on the podcast. We're on your favorite podcast broadcaster, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, all Apple podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's the other one I did. I forgot. I'm doing this without notes. But uh, anyway, thanks for tuning in, Jimmy. We're going to leave with this song. Uh, it's called "Simple Man." That was one of your picks. Yeah. Uh, tell us what what makes that song special to you. Well, I mean, I like to think I'm just a simple man, but also like in the song that the mother is giving her son, you know, some good advice, some good life advice, and again reflecting back on mom. Um, you know, she she was our. I guess our, our ground to the crazy electricity yeah. that we have in our family. And um, so I like that part when I hear the mom, you know, talking to him. But yeah, it's a great song. And who cannot sing along and jam to this Simple Man? Right? Come on. Love it. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely.
I'm your announcer, and you're listening to my friends on the Carolina Cabinet, the smartest 90 minutes of morning radio.